It's January 3rd, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, we're actually going to do something a little bit different and review 2021's top five stories as seen by my LinkedIn feed. Story number five, supply chain crisis hits everyone hard. In 2020, the story is about a domestic shipping crisis. This was caused by essentially too much small parcel e-commerce traffic and too compressed a period over the holiday season. This caused a lot of people not being able to get their parcels on time. In response, in the last year, Amazon has doubled its facility capacity and shipping companies like FedEx and UPS have limited surge volume and pushed those parcels forward to future days and the return of retail made the peak volumes this year slightly lower, particularly if you look at Cyber Monday, which was down 1% from last year. So the domestic shipping companies actually weathered the storm this year, except when it comes to labor and cost increases and inbound logistics. While it was somewhat expected by many, the continued presence of COVID, widespread manufacturing outages, container and trucking shortages, port delays, worker retirements, and shortages of all kinds have caused chaos in the supply chain this year. In fact, we could actually deliver to the home, although companies like FedEx and Amazon did report higher chaos costs in Q3 due to labor shortages. What we really could not do, however, was actually get all the goods we ordered, which came in on containers from Ocean Freight. This caused supply shortages for many retailers. Now, the larger retailers did find workarounds in other ports for some of their inventory, in some cases using air freight, particularly for their highest margin or most in-demand items. The root cause of many of these delays is COVID and worker conditions, which unfortunately I don't see subsiding until at least the second half of next year. Story number four, retail stores strike back. If you just look at comparables to last year, it was obvious that retail had a good comeback year and the direct-to-consumer narrative got a little bit muddier. Retailers across the board snapped back almost to pre-pandemic growth levels, with many retailers reporting 10 to 15% growth year-on-year, and more retail growth than e-commerce growth, actually. In fact, e-commerce, because of its tough comparable, was flat a lot of places and up only 3% other places. Apple's iOS changes were actually tougher than many expected and cut in half the advertising effectiveness of many brands I speak with with regards to Facebook. This didn't help e-commerce growth, particularly for Facebook-dependent, direct-to-consumer brands, which is a lot of them. The real reason for these changes is that unlike last year, retail stores were not shut down for months on end, and so the supply chain actually had a chance to recover a little bit. So the country has learned to navigate the pandemic a little better. I'm crossing my fingers that this trend continues. Story number three, our Target and Walmart, the new malls. One of the trends that really rose to the forefront this year is the big getting bigger, particularly Walmart and Target. In fact, I noticed quite a number of store closings in the last year that made a new home for themselves in Walmart and Target stores. Disney is closing 60 stores and coming in 160 Target stores. Gap introduced its home line to over 1,000 Walmart stores. Ulta closed 19 stores and came to 100 Target stores. Levi's added an additional 350 Target stores. 
Justice closed 900 stores and opened in 2,400 Walmarts. And finally, Apple opened in 17 new Target stores. Why is this trend happening? A few reasons, I think. Number one, wholesale is on the rise with decreased effectiveness of Facebook and the increasing need for brands to get in front of consumers. Two, Walmart and Target's customer experience is unmatched from an omnichannel point of view. It's very convenient to shop there as far as pickup, same-day delivery, curbside, and returns. Three, it's cheaper to leverage someone else's store than to set up your own. And finally, it's where the customers are. As people return to stores this year after being closed due to COVID last year, they return to the best stores first, so brands are just following the foot traffic. Our next story, number two. Investors look to split up several large retailers. I will tell you this, if there's one topic I did not see coming into this year is investors looking to break up retail companies. If you had told me that a large retail company CEO like Zach would publicly say, it's better for us to split the company into stores and e-commerce business units, I would have laughed you out of the room. Yet here we are talking about it not just for one company, but for three companies that are actively in stages of planning such breakups with Macy's and Kohl's to follow soon. Of course, it's a bad idea for the consumer in the end, but what it does do is give a needed shot of investment that these firms need to continue to transform their digital experience, which in many cases is still nothing to write home about, despite its growth and size. That caused me to think a little bit harder about this trend, and the SAC CEO, Mark Metric, was defending the new plan and news outlets saying it will allow him not to have to choose. But I think the news media has a narrative backwards that he would have wanted this anyway. So what is the cause and what is the effect? Ultimately, if I read between the lines, year after year, Sachs has presented both stores and e-commerce revitalization projects to the board, only to have them continually rejected. And since Sachs doesn't have unlimited money, it doesn't have as much to spend on e-commerce as some of its competitors. Using this narrative, it helps me frame it a little better and get you off of the narrative of actually yelling at the Sachs CEO. Instead, I think the message is more about great corporate governance. I'm struck recently by the CEO of Neiman Marcus, a privately held company, who made a simple statement in the news last week saying, I don't think it's best for the consumer. And then the news story moved on. Sorry, nothing to see here. The real lesson for retailers and brands is corporate governance. For many CEOs, your board is your destiny. Who is your board made up of? Are they investment-oriented or are they risk-averse? It's clear which investors some of these companies have. And if you are an older public company, maybe you inherited this situation and can't do anything about it. However, there are some lessons here for every CEO and board and how they nominate and pick members for their board seats. Having the right people in that room matters. And finally, the number one story on my LinkedIn feed this year. Shopify executive departures cause concern at the company. We tend to forget these things, but earlier this year, a large percentage of the Shopify executive team departed for greener pastures. One of my posts on this topic earlier this year actually generated 100,000 views, which was my top engagement this year. The executive departures from that included chief technology officer, chief talent officer, chief legal officer, and at the end of last year, their chief product officer. It's interesting to look back and see which of them have been replaced. And the answer is really only the chief technology officer. I'm sure the chief talent officer and the chief legal officer 
could be replaced by a vice president level role, so it wasn't really essential to backfill. Only the chief technology officer was actually replaced. Alan Leanwind joined from Saks to Shopify at the end of October. The chief product officer is another matter entirely. I think it's widely understood that the real chief product officer at Shopify is Toby. So don't expect this to change anytime soon. Going forward, I actually don't expect to see major changes here, so expect their management team to stand pat. That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us for our 2021 review. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.